episode 240 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log, with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. The Ground School app contains knowledge and skill videos. Check it out at learnthefinerpoints.com. The TSO certified Bose ProFlight Series 2 aviation headset pairs Bose noise cancellation with optimum comfort. It's engineered to be the lightest, most compact aviation headset for an uncompromised flying experience. Start your 60-day test flight and finance with Bose Pay at bose.com slash proflight. As pilots, we know that flying is among life's greatest experiences. Learning to fly can be a challenge, but now there's an innovation in pilot training that increases efficiency, streamlines the training process, and improves student retention. The AOPA Flight Training Advantage uses an iPad app and web portals to create an adaptive, dynamic training experience that's unique to each student. Designed to address the most common reasons students drop out of flight training, the AOPA Flight Training Advantage system is used by flight schools, CFIs, and students to make training more effective, efficient, and fun. Learn how you can get the AOPA Flight Training Advantage at aopa.com AFTA. That's A-F-T-A. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today's podcast is with Rich Rafferty. I actually recorded this one before I went to work in a hotel in Midway. So I made the most of my late show and was able to get this going. So Rich Rafferty came on. I said, hey man, uh, you got any free time today? Let's get this done. He said, yes, let's do it. And we did it. It was great. It's a good podcast and you're not going to want to miss this one. Share it with all your friends. Uh, he's currently building his time and being a great CFI, posting some cool reels as well. So go ahead and check those out. But I hope you enjoy this episode. My dog's going crazy, so I gotta go. But Aviation, I hope you enjoy this episode. Without any further ado, here's Rich Rafferty. My name is Rich Rafferty. I'm a certified flight instructor and aviation coach and consultant. Rich, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Justin, thank you for having me, my friend. No problem, man. Uh, technical difficulties this morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mostly on my part because I have this new headset. So it's a Bose gaming headset that I'm bringing on the road that they sent to me. And it has this little microphone on it. But I don't have all the stuff I needed to use Audition and Skype. So resorting to Riverside to see how this works out. But um, who knows? It might be an epic failure. and We might have to redo this. But here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have a backup system at least, man. Yeah, right? Something like that. But yeah, man, let's go ahead and uh, kind of dig in here. The first question I ask everyone is, why aviation? What was um, your original inspiration to uh, start becoming a pilot? Well, I got a few ways I can answer that question, but I think I'll take you back all the way to whenever I was four years old, my first time ever getting on a jet. And uh, we were going to Disney World as a family and we were sitting, you know, waiting to get on the plane. I remember just being super nervous and I went to my dad and I was like, hey, I don't really want to get go down the jet bridge. I'm like, I'm scared, you know? <laughs> and my dad, being the savage that he is, was like, oh, he like looked to the whole family. He was like, oh, looks like we're not going to Disney, guys. Rich is scared to get on, go down the jet bridge. And this is literally one of my first memories because I just remember being so embarrassed. <laughs> Probably says a little bit about my dad and kind of my upbringing. He has very little tolerance for, you know, mindless fear. So, um, yeah. So that was kind of my first, my first uh, experience with aviation. but. It wasn't until college when I was at Liberty that I, you know, kind of decided it was going to be the career that I was going to take on. 
it's funny that you have a Disney story about not wanting to get on an airplane. I kind of have a similar story, but it has nothing to do with aviation, and it has to do with me being a wuss. It was um, Splash Mountain, <laughs> and I'm terrified of hills, uh, and I don't like roller coasters, all that kind of stuff. And I was like eight years old, and we waited in line for three hours. And as soon as we got to the front of the ride, I literally ran as fast as I could through the little gondola or boat, whatever it is, and I ran all the way down. And my dad had to chase after me while I just left my family there. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much just like disappeared. <laughs> but That's hilarious. Yeah, maybe waited something about the whole Disney. line just to run away. <laughs> yeah, I was planning my escape the whole time. I was like, all right, how am I getting out of here? And just kind of dipped out. It's like, hey, I'm not going to do this. Screw that. <laughs> so That's kudos hilarious. to you for getting on the plane and actually going to Disney. Well, I didn't have much of a choice for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. So um, so no, is there any family aviation pilots, anyone in your family in aviation? Was this a complete shock to your family or was it, uh, could, could people see this coming? Yeah, I was the first generation, man. It was just me. Yeah, my family was a little bit surprised, but they were they've been supportive throughout the entire process. It's been really really good for my family. Do you think if you went to a school that didn't have an aviation program, you would ever got involved in aviation? Cuz I know Liberty has a pretty big one, but let's say you go to I don't know, some you go to Virginia Tech instead. We'll just use another Virginia school. Would you have gotten into aviation or do you think it was because you had that option you you decided to do it? I really don't think that I would have gotten into it. I am very thankful that I went to Liberty for that exact reason. I uh, I actually went to Liberty for business, and I was studying that for my first two years there. And yeah, I mean, I actually had I I was on the snowboarding. I was like really into snowboarding. They have a fake snowboarding mountain. It's like fake snow, and you can snowboard year round. And I was like super into that. I was like in the snowboarding club doing competitions. They have this this uh, like club called Trails to Rail Trails to Rails. It's sort of like a it's like a like a club where they train you how to snowboard and then you can eventually do competitions and try and get on the team. I was preparing to try out for the snowboarding team, and I just absolutely destroyed my knee <laughs> from that and other things. I mean, I was just kind of general wear and tear on my meniscus, and uh, but I actually am super thankful for that because. That semester after that, when I couldn't snowboard or really like work out or do any of the things that I was super into doing, all I had was studying for school and just kind of sitting around doing business work and like getting prepared for my classes. And I realized how much I didn't like business. And that was kind of the, the turning point for me. I was thinking about dropping out of school and I Googled online, like, what's the highest paying job without a college degree? And pilot was like number three or four on the list. And I was like, huh, pilot, that would be really cool. <laughs> and I just like started diving deeper and deeper into it. And I knew a couple guys at Liberty that were on my hall when I was a freshman that were flying. So I reached out to them and just like asked them how they liked it. And they all, they all, every single one of them said that they loved it. And uh, so that was kind of the start of for me is to start down the rabbit hole. And I took a discovery flight after getting surgery on my knee. And I loved it. And I just kind of never looked back. I decided to stay at Liberty and join their aeronautics program instead of, you know, I was looking at ATP and a few other options outside of Liberty, but I decided to just finish it out there. And I'm glad that I did. I, I learned a lot and they have a really good program there. And I've made some lifelong friends uh, from that program. So it's funny that you say that the only reason you even thought about becoming a pilot was Googling how much money you can make without a degree. And pilot was pretty much number one. But it's like, why? And it might be changing now with social media, but I feel like 
aviation community does not do a good job at bringing in new pilots and they always can kind of seem like a very intimidating where you have to be super smart or all this or just schools and programs don't do a good job at marketing towards people that have no idea what aviation is you know it's like have a big booth have something cool have an airplane have an airplane day to bring people in and just show them airplanes but you only found it because you googled i make a lot of money with no college degree <laughs> you know it's like there's <laughs> yeah. so many things we could do better and i know it's much different with instagram now and it's kind of uh, a little bit easier for people to see aviation but it, it it really we don't do a good job at that i agree i i really wish that there was somebody out there when i was in high school that was kind of you know sharing this path and how how available it actually is you know, because I really feel like I would have, I would have loved it even back then, and I just didn't know that it was an option. Like I knew pilots existed, but I thought they were just from the military or, you know, some other insane schooling that I wasn't smart enough for, or you know, whatever. So, yeah, that's been one of my main goals through creating videos is just getting the word out there, um, and it's it's been going pretty well. It's been exciting to see people. Uh, new people come into aviation just from seeing a video that I posted or something. It's been really, really exciting. So what was uh, your thought process of going up to this first flight since, or your first actual intro flight? Were you scared? Were you excited? Uh, were you nervous? Or were you like, this is it? Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a pilot. I was, I was pretty convinced that I was already going to do it just from, you know, hearing how everyone else loved it. And I, I actually have some like family friends, my mom's, uh, friends that she knew back in the day that are that are pilots and I actually called them before the flight and just talked to them and so I had really done my research ahead of time so I was pretty confident that if I liked the feeling of flying and I enjoyed the flight that that was I was going to pursue it and so that was the mindset I went into it with so I was I was pretty nervous just you know kind of like the the adrenaline that you would get you know kind of before getting on a roller coaster <laughs> at Disney World I guess <laughs> but uh yeah I was I was excited man and and I did love it I had a great instructor named Carrie Madvey out of uh Zelenopol Airport near Pittsburgh and I had a great time she let me take off she let me fly around and she did the landings, but you know, <laughs> it was my first flight. Cut me some slack. Uh, yeah, so it was cool, man. And I, never, I really never looked back. I signed up to take my private pilot course that summer, and uh, yeah, and then I was going to transfer that into Liberty and join their aeronautics program from there. So you got your private up in Pittsburgh, and then went back to Liberty and, and joined the program. I actually did it in Ocean City, Maryland. I lived there oh. in the summers. I had a friend from college that had a beach house there. And yeah, shout out to him. He let me stay there for free. <laughs> <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did my flight training there. Yeah, it was it was fun. Ocean City Airport, uh, it's beautiful, beautiful place to learn to fly. But yeah, I got it done that summer, and then uh, transferred it into the School of Aeronautics at Liberty. Is that something you'd recommend for, say, someone that was in your position? Uh, get your private before you go to college, or get your private uh, a summer before you start your flight training there. Is that something that you would recommend, or is it just how it kind of worked out for you? I do recommend that. Yeah. Not necessarily in a summer because that was semi-stressful because <laughs> if I didn't get it done by the deadline, I wasn't able to go back to Liberty and, and do the classes that I had signed up for. So uh, definitely don't recommend the one summer back against the wall scenario, but uh, getting your private done ahead of time can be cheaper and, and save you some, some time and money in college. 
what was the process with your private going to Liberty? Obviously, they're not just going to be like, oh, cool, you got your private, um, just go start your instrument or your commercial. Or they're like, all right, well, you still got to do a stage check or you have to do a training flight or you have to do some kind of checkout before you can come in. Or were they like, oh, cool, you got your private, let's go straight into instrument? Yeah, well, the, the way it worked out for me, I literally finished the private pilot course and passed my check ride three days after the semester had already started at Liberty. <laughs> so I literally, I passed my check ride got in the car that I had already packed and drove all the way to Lynchburg, like a six and a half hour drive and was back like 48 hours before the ad drop deadline. So (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I was pretty fresh off of my private when I started, but the way Liberty did it at the time, I don't know if this is still the case. They have you start with commercial one. So they just have you kind of work on all the, you know, a lot of long cross countries and stuff. So just kind of adding on for your private and getting used to the G1000 before you go and start instrument because it would be a pretty big jump i did private all steam gauge so to, to hop in a g1000 and do instrument right away would be a pretty big jump so i think that was a smart way for them to do it yeah i forgot liberty had all those fancy 172s you know yeah dude they got them all fresh off the line at cessna <laughs> must be nice yeah oh, that's awesome uh tell me about your private training what was it was it everything you thought it'd be i noticed that you said that you didn't really like business uh was that kind of you couldn't get motivated for it didn't want to do the work or was it uh once you found flying for those similar to me i was able to actually like fully devote myself to it and study and actually want to learn it was that similar for you it was yeah there was a combination of things. I mean, I went to Liberty because I liked the fact that the, the school and the culture there wasn't surrounded around partying. I really wanted to go to college and like make the most of the degree that I was paying for. Even when I was 18, I saw that to be something that I, I didn't want to just go party for four years and waste it. So I was, I was pretty into the schooling I was doing for business. I like read my entire microeconomics textbook <laughs> while I was on the dorm. Like I, I feel like most people don't even read their college books, which is crazy. They pay for them and don't read them. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, but I realized through that process that I just really wasn't into the information. Like I felt like a lot of the information was outdated and I was, I was studying entrepreneurship and None of my teachers were entrepreneurs. It just didn't make any sense. So I just, I just wasn't into the whole thing. And I think it is a lot of what you said. It's like, you know, it was, it was hard for me to really get into the information because I felt like it wasn't truly what I was supposed to be doing. I just somehow knew that. Like I knew I didn't want to just be, you know, they were basically teaching me to work for someone else's business. And that was just never really what I wanted to do. So combination of all those things, I just wasn't really wasn't really too into it. But to get back to your question about my experience in Ocean City, getting my private, uh, it was it was a good experience. I really liked that school. There was a few issues. They At the time, the main chief instructor, uh, he got sick with pneumonia. And they only had like two other instructors at the time. So and also, I was I can blame a lot of it on myself. I was a bit immature and didn't really realize what was required to get the private. I didn't understand that getting a private license in three months was a difficult task. So I went there with the mindset, yeah, I'll fly, I'll party a little bit. I was just 21. I was in Ocean City, Maryland, like living at the beach for the summer. Uh, so I, I did, I will admit that I underestimated it. But yeah, the uh, the instructors there, one of them left for the airlines, the other one got uh, pneumonia. And so it was just one other guy and he was super busy and it was tough to get on his schedule. And I needed to fly like every day maybe even like multiple times a day when the weather was good to, in order to finish. So 
it ended up all working out. They hired another instructor and that instructor pretty much just like carried me through and got me done in the amount of time that I needed. Uh, so I will say that school, they stepped up and they, they really helped me out at a time of need. Like I just was honest with them. I was like, Hey, like I need to do this every day to get done. And they were like, all right, let's do it. And they like made a special point of, you know, basically walking me through the entire process to get to the end on time and get done and transfer back to Liberty. So I'm very thankful for the guys over at Avi- Ocean Aviation in Ocean City, Maryland. They got me through. So, but yeah, that, that was my experience there. And so that's why I say, you know, three months for a private is, is accelerated, you know, and you know, there's probably things that I could have done better, like having known what was required, but it is a quick that's a short amount of time to get your private if you're not at a school that's specifically designed to get you done at an accelerated rate. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like you said, too, like everyone kind of, uh, well, not like you said, but it's your experience. Everyone has adversity in their experience, whether it's not having enough instructors, whether it's your own mindset of being like, well, you know, I'm 18, 19, whatever. I live in Ocean City, Maryland. I want to go hang out and have fun. It's a nice day. I just want to go to the beach. But like everyone has their own adversity that they deal with when they're going through their private and everyone takes their own amount of time. But it's really hard when you do have that end timeline. It's like, I really have to get this done. There's no way that I can not get it done by now or else my whole like plan is, is gone. So uh, it can definitely be interesting that way. Oh yeah, definitely. And I know, I know my story is not unique. I mean, it seems like everybody has some sort of story where, you know, they were back was against the wall and the planes were breaking and, you know, the instructors left for the airline, you know, it's like, that's just kind of the industry. It's the nature of the game. So yeah, I just try and help people and kind of, you know, let them know that that is the way it is so they can be better prepared for the scenario where I feel like I really wasn't. I didn't have anyone warn me like, hey, three months, you're going to really have to like put your nose down and grind like that's going to be that's going to be a process. I just kind of went in, you know, unprepared. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I try and do. I just try and, you know, help people along the way. Did you think about switching flight schools at all? Like, I know that's not the only flight school in the area. Did you ever get to a point where you're like, all right, if you don't hire another instructor, I'm going somewhere else? Uh, I I don't, I, I don't think I did, honestly, at the time. I just, I was just unprepared. Like, I didn't even know that there was like an ability to transfer. Like, I thought that it was just like, I signed on for that school and like, I would have to restart. Like, I just was so new to the game. <laughs> I just had no idea that that was even an option. Like, but I will say that school, like they really did step up and they helped me out. So shout out Mike Freed over at Ocean Aviation. What's up, Mike? Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now you're going to Liberty. Uh, what was your, because I'm guessing that school was part 61 and now you're going to a 141 school. What was your experience getting into this fully structured school where you couldn't just kind of do whatever you wanted and and you had to to really abide by their their I mean I hate to say locks it's kind of dramatic but like their rules their 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 set plan uh, what do you think of that Liberty does have their own laws man straight up <laughs> they do <laughs> you were right on with that uh, but yeah that's funny yeah it it was good I mean it, it was definitely a jump like I felt. If I'm being honest, I felt kind of like behind throughout most of my training at Liberty. I just always, and it might have to do a little bit with just the fact that I was maybe slightly an insecure person at that time in my life, but I always felt like the other pilots were like better, smarter, like knew more, even though I was in the same course as them and I was finishing at the same time as them. I just somehow in the back of my mind always felt like I just didn't know as much or I don't know that they were better. I th- I think it maybe it honestly was just a little bit of insecurity on my part, which I'm glad I've kind of gotten past that now. As an instructor, like it's been really fun to see people 
you know, grow and, and watch them learn just through my teaching. That's been very rewarding. And I think it's helped me a lot with that. But at the time back at Liberty, I didn't really feel that way. So yeah, it was a big jump. I mean, we had to wear uniforms. We had to wear like, you know, we couldn't wear shorts. We had to wear pants. Everything was tucked in collared shirts all the time. So yeah, I mean, it was a jump for sure, but I was, I'm lucky that I was already used to kind of Liberty's uh, laws, as you put it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the jump to the aeronautics program was not as big as it would have been if I was coming just from, you know, maybe high school getting my private into Liberty. So, but yeah, it was good. I mean, I had a lot of great instructors that really helped me out. And, um, you know, there were some things I did like about the program and some things that I didn't, but overall it was a really good flight school and they have a very high standard for what they expect of their pilots as far as timeline. And as far as like, uh, knowledge and just, you know, overall ability. So having to rise to that standard really did make me a much better pilot. Would you prefer 141 or 61 uh, based on your own experience? Like if you go back and do everything again, would you get everything done at a 141 school? Like not worried about price, not worried about anything, just uh, the type of training you enjoyed more, which one would you choose again? Yeah, if we're talking strictly uh, type of training, then I would say that, uh, you know, Liberty's program was pretty superior in the sense that, um, yeah, it was just the skills that I developed there, I think were, were pretty legit, but you know, that's just excluding all of the things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Because it's definitely, definitely different. Like you said, <laughs> not all 141 schools make you wear pants and collared shirts, but they all have the the same kind of rigorous training program and kind of crazy expectations. Not really crazy expectations, but the you don't really have the ability just to go fly for fun. Like everything is, is every flight is uh, is a get something done, and it can be kind of monotonous. And every once in a while, you might get a little bit burnt out. You know, it's like, man, I don't really want to do this. Right? Yeah, it's very <laughs> so, very structured. Very very yeah, structured. Absolutely. Yeah, I I tell people, you know, if if college is something you really want to do, I I suggest people do community college because it's so much less expensive. Flight training is expensive as you know enough as it is. So it's if you can save an extra dollar and get your degree from a community college, it makes a lot more sense. I think if I could go back in time, I would probably do that. But again, as you brought up earlier in the podcast, I probably wouldn't even have found aviation if I didn't go to Liberty. So I can't complain too much. But being you know having come out the other side, I can suggest to other people ways to save money, and that's that's one of the things I tell people. You know. It's, 141 schools, you know, those big college degree programs, they're great and they look good on paper, but you know, it's going to cost you that, that piece of paper is pricey, that one that looks good. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also benefits to that paper though, too, because you get a restricted ATP, uh, you get to get to the airlines faster if you want to and all that. So it's, it can have its pluses as well, but it is going to be pretty, pretty expensive entry price on top of an already expensive entry price. hundred percent. Yep. Right? Yep. Lots yeah. of pros and cons, man. <laughs> What's the what's the mindset of a younger pilot or someone in your shoes or even someone just entering college right now or at the college age? A lot of airlines don't require, no one really requires a four-year degree anymore. Are people you know, people that are following you, are they still all going after a four-year degree? Or would you say it's 50-50 or uh, more people are just going towards a community college or not even community college, just like a, a one, an ATP getting all their ratings and just hoping that they can get their dream job without a college degree? Yeah, I think the biggest barrier to entry for people with ATP schools and stuff like that is they have to pretty much come up with the money themselves or get a bank loan or something. 
Whereas if they go through the college programs, they can get federal loans. And that's really helpful for a lot of people. So I tell people if they have the money, get it done outside of college and you'll, you'll cut the cost a little bit. Uh, but you know, if you don't, then take the loans and do community college and you'll, you'll save, you'll still save a lot of money. So. Would you be worried if you didn't get a degree that you might not have as good of a chance of getting a job at an airline or, um, would you think that that's not true anymore? In the current climate, I would say it's not going to be a problem. Uh, but again, the, the airline industry goes through so many ups and downs as most people listening to this probably already know that. But if you're just getting into aviation, you might not. So yeah, it goes through a lot of ups and downs. Right now, we're at a nice up and they're fighting over who can pay pilots more right now. And it's an, it's a great climate to get into if you're just you know starting out in your flight training or if you're you know finishing up your hours like I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but that, that might change. So it might be nice to have that backup of a degree, like, you know, 10 years down the road, if we see a slight downturn in the, in the market or, you know, the industry, however you want to look at it. But yeah, I mean, right now it's not required. And it's, you know, I tell people, if you are going to get a degree, you might want to think about getting one in something else because then you have a backup. Let's say you lose your medical then you at least have like a backup degree you can fall onto if you can't necessarily fly anymore. So there's different ways, you know, and, and everyone's going to have a different thing that's best for them. That's what, that's kind of what I've learned throughout my, my training process and my time as a CFI is like everything, everyone has something different that motivates them. Everyone's process is going to be a little bit different and everybody is going to have something different that would work best for them. Absolutely. And you were doing your training kind of 2020 time, right? Like for during COVID, was that right when you were doing all your training? Yeah, I graduated in 2020. Um, that was when I finished Liberty. Okay, I finished there. Yeah, I finished there with uh, my commercial multi. That was the last thing I got at Liberty. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. You know, as pilots, navigating bumpy air is all on a day's work. But when it comes to economic turbulence, we're all experienced right now. With soaring inflation rates, well, that can land us outside our comfort zone. And we're not alone. In fact, a recent morning consult with CNBC poll found that 65% of Americans earning over six figures are very concerned about inflation. The good news is our partners at RAA have put together the ultimate inflation guide to help you and your money weather the ongoing market upheaval and counter its impact. It's a free, quick read download delivering the context and perspective you need on the topics that hit close to home for your finances, like what drives inflation and how it's measured, how long the current trend might last, ways to avoid inflation's worst effects, and more. I got my ultimate inflation guide, and believe me, if you do just one good thing for your money today, this is it. So go to raa.com slash pilot to pilot and download your free copy now. Again, that's raa.com slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. And now back to today's episode. What was kind of um, your thought process of the aviation industry as a whole then? Because you were kind of going through the training where, I mean, they they weren't hiring like crazy, but they're still hiring a lot of people. Outlook looked really good. And then COVID happens and kind of everything goes crazy. Did you waver in your idea of being a pilot? You're like, wait a second, that Google article lied to me. I'm not going to be a rich pilot anymore. Or were you kind of just like, it's going to change. I'll be all right. Uh, Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, there was definitely a low point there for a little while, man. Um, it It was a lot of things combined that made that time in my life very difficult. So as I said, I was finishing up my training there in 2020. I was supposed to graduate in May. 
and I was finishing up commercial multi. I was like on pace to finish at the, uh, the end of April. And I had like two flights left until my final stage check, like my end of course check that would be the flight before my check ride. And then everyone knows where this is going. I mean, March of 2020, everything just started shutting down and I had to go back to Pittsburgh because they just closed down Liberty, closed down the flight school, closed down everything. Most people were able to finish their degrees online to still be able to graduate in May, but you obviously can't fly airplanes online. So I, uh, <laughs> I had to wait and they didn't open up the school again until July. So went back in July, finished up in September. And you might ask yourself, you had three flights left. Why did it take three months to finish? Well, in those however many months that I was off, four months or whatever, it's difficult to maintain your currency and proficiency um, when you're sitting at home doing nothing, <laughs> you know, locked inside. So, you know, on, you know, I'll take a little bit of responsibility. I probably should have studied more, but at the same time, like, you know, I didn't know when we were going back. It was such a weird time. And yeah, so I think, you know, the, but, you know, Liberty did a pretty good job of handling it. I mean, they didn't know it was coming, so I can't really blame them, but they brought back on the summer people. So like they had all the people from the spring that were training, and then they also brought in the summer semester people. And we were all training and trying to use the Seminoles at the same time. It was just kind of a mess. It was very difficult to get flights in. And then, you know, you'd have one break and then you were, you know, couldn't fly for another week and it just kept going on and on and on. So eventually I finished in September and that was good. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of low points in that time when I was there that summer where I just doubted myself, doubted whether aviation was something I really was supposed to be doing, doubted whether aviation was going to make a comeback. Like it was just a low point in general. I think that was probably one of my biggest doubting points in my entire aviation career so far. Like I just really was like, man, like I, I kept failing my stage check. I'll be honest. Like <laughs> I just like, cause I really could only get a flight in like every few weeks. So it was very hard to stay like proficient. And yeah, it was just super, it was a downer, man. I remember like calling my parents and be like, I just cannot complete this test. Like I was just getting just hit left and right with stuff. And I had a lot of other stuff going on in my life, like external to flying which didn't help either. And yeah, so just that was probably the low point for me, but I obviously got it done. I got the degree. I finished past the check ride and yeah, I've moved on, but, and now aviation's on a major upswing. So things are looking a lot brighter, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to, it's hard not to second guess yourself sometimes whenever, you know, you're failing and then the industry itself that you're pushing so hard to get into is also looking negative. It's, that can be a very tough thing. It really can. And I mean, even with less craziness going on, when I was doing my training back in my day in 2010, 2011, uh, I even had moments where I was like, what the heck? Like this, I suck at this, you know? And it kind of goes back to what you said where you were judging yourself based on everyone else that was in your class and it's some insecurities. I think it's normal. I think everyone, not maybe it's not normal. There's some people out there that just think they're the best things since sliced bread. But <laughs> a lot of times you, you really kind of doubt yourself. You're like, well, this guy has way more hours than me or they show up for their early flight all the time. They don't cancel their flights all the time. I played sports in college. So it was really hard for me to have a schedule to do everything. But 
it can, there's so many things that go on or you just have a bad flight and you're like, what am I like? I failed this stage check again. Like if I can't pass a stage check, why would I be able to pass a 121 training class? You know? So you, you can really get down on yourself. And that's where I think it's important to, to have the fun flights too, where I don't know if you really get that opportunity at a 141 school. Maybe you can rent the plane, but they're also busy. It's hard to find time to rent it for fun, but it's, it's, it's important to, Go enjoy flying and try to remember why you did it. Remember the feelings you had when you were uh, when you had your solo flight. Remember the previous obstacles that you have overcome, so you know that you can do this. It, it's possible. There's so many. There's so many. I hate to say this, but there's so many dumber people that are flying for the <laughs> airlines. That I promise you, you can do it too. And this goes to anyone. Um, and I, <laughs> there's all. They're mostly all good pilots, and you can train pretty much anyone. But every once in a while, you're like, "Wait, that guy's flying this airplane. I should probably go." <laughs> Dude, that's so funny <laughs> that you say that, man. Some of those guys that I knew in my hall when I was a freshman, I, when I called them and talked to them about, it, I was like, "Man, if these guys can do it, I can do it." You know, and it was like it wasn't that they were like necessarily dumb. Like they're smart guys, but they just were like normal dudes. You know, it was like that would to me was so motivating because I just always thought as pilots like freaking a- astronauts like how the heck do you become an astronaut you know like who know, like that's that's they were on that level in my mind so having people that were like you know normal guys that were doing it i didn't know anyone and and that was super helpful to me and and i i think that's cool that now that you're on the next level it's the same thing it's like wow those guys are doing it you know <laughs> it's awesome uh, absolutely it's like yeah it's kind of funny i mean uh, i mean we do have a skill right like skill that that's that people think is very impressive and they think is really hard to do. But at the end of the day, I mean, my mom could become a pilot if she wanted to. And I'm saying that like anyone could become a pilot. Like you just have to put in the dedication and the work and try to do it. And the one big barrier obviously is money, but it, it's definitely possible for anyone to learn how to do this. Heck skill. yeah, man. That's what been one of the cool things about instructing is I can take someone that's never flown before and take them from zero to hero all the way to the end and then make him a pilot, you know, like that is, that's, that's so rewarding to me. It's been very fun to just undergo that process and watch people grow into, into their own, you know, into their own skill level and becoming pilots. What is your, your end goal? You don't mind me asking, do you want to be a CFI forever, be an entrepreneur, build a business, or you want to go to the airlines? Uh, what do you want to do? I do plan to go to the airlines. I don't see that as my end goal. If I'm being honest, I think, well, I at least want to try it out. I might love it. I have no idea. You know, I don't like the idea of having to do anything. Like I, I want to own my own business and probably a flight school because I really do enjoy instructing. So my ultimate goal probably is to, you know, fly until I can get enough money to start my own school, get my own plane and, you know, just teach people to fly and hire other instructors to help me and just build it from there. But I don't know what that timeline looks like. And I'm just kind of going to fly in the airlines and enjoy traveling and, you know, helping other people up the ladder as well while I'm while I'm doing it. So that's kind of my plan for now. I, I, my end goal, I, I can't really tell you. I'm probably just sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what that path to get there looks like exactly. But yeah, I, I could see myself owning the flight school for sure. One thing that I noticed for me, and I've, I've seen a lot of people as well, is they're beginning. So right when you start flight school, you have this idea of what your career is going to look like. But as you go through flight school, you take other opportunities or even as you're building your time and you see different opportunities and the end goal changes sometimes. Has that happened for you or has your goals kind of been the same ever since you started? That's a good question. Um yeah, I would say that it's changed. It's changed slightly. I mean, I always knew that airline was going to be 
a staple. That was when I started flying, I was like, okay, airline is the goal. Um, but as I've kind of grown and matured and seen some things, I would say that airline is not my end goal. I, I plan to, you know, fly and enjoy the process of, you know, making money and in taking people around and wearing the uniform and traveling for free. And, you know, all those things that initially appealed to me, um, is still, still appealing, but you know, just my, my love for flying has really just developed over time. And I just, I would just love to be able to fly for fun and just travel the United States in my own plane and just, you know, take videos and document the process. And I don't know, I, I, something about just having the freedom to fly and, and do whatever I want. And that to me is really, you know, really the goal. I don't want to have to do anything. I would like to, you know, get myself into a position where I have enough income, whether it's passive or savings or whatever, where I can just get in the plane and go and, you know, explore the United States, the world, you name it. That to me is really the ultimate goal. It's just a matter of how the heck I'm going to get there. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there are uh, full-time CFIs that make content. I don't know if you know, like Jason Miller from Learn the Finer Points, Chris from Angle Attack, um, Aviation 101, Josh, like you have that ability to kind of focus on content and still have a fun, uh, fulfilling, and I'm sure they make pretty good money off sponsorships and all that other kind of stuff. So that definitely, that opportunity is out there. And the good thing about aviation is especially where I work, I work in the fractional and I do seven on seven on seven off. It's like I'm gone for seven days. I work hard flying, but then I have seven full days to kind of do whatever I want, whether it's to work on this, whether it's hang out with my family, my kid, uh, you have so many opportunities and that's even true with, uh, with airlines too. You, I, I, I don't know too much about them, but you can build your schedule how you want it to be. So if you need to, to be at certain places or the certain business opportunities pop up, or if you're doing your own CFI gig, you can make sure you, you bid your schedule to where it works out best for you. So there's so many opportunities in aviation that allows you to have a side hustle. Which is yeah, really cool. I, I love that about about aviation for sure. You were naming all those guys. I was waiting for you to say Jason Shepard. He was my my go to guy whenever I was going through trading. I watched all of his videos <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, he's That's one of my awesome. heroes. I, I he was probably one of the only ones I never really watched. <laughs> to be honest, and I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. I just uh, I always I had Jason and, and Chris. They were pretty. They're two of my really good friends, and I just kind of watched them the whole time. So yeah, I've never really watched too many of Jason's videos. Obviously, everyone knows who Jason is. I feel like everyone's seen him at some point on YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever it is. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's possible. If that's the route you want to go down. It's definitely a viable way to to make an income and to build a business. So it's definitely possible. Yeah, I could definitely see it see it happening maybe you know starting out doing airlines and that and then uh just kind of you know over time as as the one grows out you know outgrows the other i'll just make the full jump something like that or maybe just keep doing both who knows yeah or you just get senior enough to where you make a lot of money flying every once in a while and still have your side hustle yeah That's the way to that, do it. that definitely is the way to do it man i'm looking forward to that <laughs> so yeah, right how was your um Talk about more about your instrument, commercial, multi, all that training. Um, which one was the most difficult? I guess the better question to ask is, what was the most difficult training throughout your whole process? Private, instrument, commercial, multi, all the above. What did you have more trouble with? I would say that the um, commercial multi was the hardest, just for those other reasons I spoke of with COVID and everything else. Just the external circumstances were really difficult for that one. But I would say strictly training-wise, as far as the content, I think instrument was the biggest jump. Going from, you know, being just a private pilot to, 
you know, getting that instrument knowledge in my brain and being able to look at flying in a different way, that was probably the biggest jump. Uh, instruments like a different language, you know, like you, you start with your private and you finally understand how to fly an airplane. And then for, for where I, how I did my training, it's like, all right, here's your instrument. Good luck. <laughs> God, go do this. And it's like, wait, what? Wait, what? Uh, and I always say, it's kind of like one of those things that you just got to keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And then eventually it just clicks. Like it's a, it's a foreign language and you just got to really fully immerse yourself in that language and you have to just keep going. And then one day in your brain, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense. And it all happens for different people at different times, but it's definitely something that is going to happen if you keep putting in the work and if you keep hundred percent. Yeah. I always say instruments, what separates the men from the boys It's <laughs> a lot of people quit at that stage when you're trying to make that jump. And if you can get through it, like you said, and you learn that language, you're, you're so much better off. It really does make you such a better pilot more well-rounded in general. Absolutely. Uh, it's definitely something that everyone should get if you have the opportunity to get, even if you're just a weekend warrior, uh, could save your life one day. 100%. Yeah, it's funny you were saying aviation is like a different language. It's uh, It's been kind of cool. My girlfriend's been kind of picking up some of the lingo. <laughs> it's been fun. She's learning the language because it's all the time. It's, uh, you know, anytime she hears me talking to one of my pilot buddies, she'll just be listening and it's cool now I can kind of talk to her about some of that stuff and she she understands the lingo. She's like learning the language. It's pretty wild. That's pretty cool. She have any um, want to get up and fly? Or I've been anything like teaching that? her kind of secretly. <laughs> we'll go flying and I'll, I'll like trick her into learning. <laughs> yeah, it's been cool. That's the instructor in me. Can't help That's it. Awesome. You know? But yeah, it's cool. She can take That's off really cool. and she can do a lot of the maneuvers now and stuff. We're still working on the landing, but it's only been about three flights. So... <laughs> Well, I think it's important. And even for my wife, uh, I don't fly GA too much right now, but I want to. But I think it's important for them to know how to how to land an airplane in case anything happens or have the basic skills of communicating in case you happen to have an issue or maybe you um, pass out or something happens and they need to land the airplane. I think that's it's really so important. true, man. Yeah, at least it's just a general knowledge. You know, even if someone's a pilot, not an instructor, if they're flying with someone consistently, it would make sense for them to just you know, hit them with some knowledge and just kind of talk through what they're doing that just, just in case, you know, I've seen those videos online of, you know, I, I don't, there was that one that kind of went viral, the pilot passed out and then the air traffic controller was able to talk him down how to land the airplane. Cause he was an instructor in that aircraft. So cool. And I, I just, as the CFI in me is just watched that and was like, wow, like would I be able to talk to someone via radio and explain to them how to land an airplane without actually being in the airplane. I mean, that is just top level CFI right there in my mind. I mean, that's very impressive. Yeah. Sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time and you're right where you're supposed to be to help the person that needs help. Right. That's just like that's such a cool crazy. story, man. Such a cool story. Yeah, it is a really cool story. Um, talking about your, uh, your content that you've been making, I, I want to go back to Liberty because I'm guessing you wanted to, create this content for a while like you probably saw all these cool videos and you're like sweet it'd be cool to document my own flight training or to film videos i'm guessing liberty was not too keen on people promoting and uh, shooting videos while you know flying. i honestly have no idea i i never i never <laughs> tried back then i mean i was yeah i never oh, really? tried i i always knew that i kind of wanted to make travel videos that was always kind of my goal and uh, i just never really i never really had the discipline and the the drive to actually make that happen when I was in my training. I was so consumed with, you know, actually doing the flight training and memorizing all the stuff and studying. 
So I always kind of had it on like a back burner of like, that would be so cool to do that. I would love to just make videos. Um, so, you know, and that was actually whenever I decided I wanted to pursue aviation, that was something I thought like, man, it'd be so cool to just like make videos and travel. I think that would be awesome. And so that was like a factor, but I just never, I never really like, I was so busy. I mean, I was trying to cram a full aeronautics degree into two years because I was behind in the program. So I had to take, you know, 18 credits every semester, summer classes. And then I took a couple overload semesters of like 21 credits. And so I was just busy. I just, I just never really had the time to edit or do all that stuff. And, or like I said, I didn't have the discipline to to make it happen, you know? So, you know, fast forward to being a CFI, uh, you know, that was kind of a life changing thing. I mean, I was, you know, now my job was flying and I didn't really have that much that I had to be studying for outside of, you know, just kind of keeping up with all the knowledge that I'd already acquired and teaching people. So that really freed me up to have a lot of time to kind of start editing and experimenting with the process. And it all really started, I started the process in January of this year and it's really been taken off. It's been exciting. I think I kind of filled a need. No one was really doing the instruction, the, you know, instructional content in short form. So, you know, I'm able to really clip it up and, and just find key moments that I think would be helpful for people and just put it out there for them to see and learn from. Do you record all your students or do you like ask them beforehand? You're like, Hey, like I do this thing. Is it cool if I record this? You're just like, ask her, you do something stupid or something funny. I'm going to post it. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I've, I kind of spread it around. I don't really film every flight. I kind of try and do one a day and I'll just film the entire thing. So, um, you know, and I always ask before I never just do it. I always say, Hey, do you mind if I film this? You know? And I always tell them if, if there's something negative that takes place, that I feel like would be a good learning moment for other people. I'll always send it to you first and make sure it's okay that I post it. I don't want to just put people on blast if they're uncomfortable with me sharing something that they messed up. But in the reality is of flight training, I mean, those mess ups are often the best learning experiences and the best lessons. So I think, you know, they see other people being okay with me posting their failures and it makes them more okay with it because they see how, everyone learns from it and it's okay to fail. And that's how, that's how all of us learn. So I think really most people are okay with it. And I've only had a couple people say that they didn't want me to film. And oftentimes it was for reasons outside of, um, you know, the fact that they just, well, you know, I guess it, the reasons really don't matter, but yeah, uh, I've only had a few people turn it down. Oh, the witness protection <laughs> program from the mafia. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you are in Pittsburgh. It's kind of close there. It's like, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, man. We got some Pittsburgh mafia. You know how it is. <laughs> right. Um, what was your flight? Did you have to go to your flight school to get approval? Uh, what was that process like? Or you just, just started posting this thing? don't even know about it. <laughs> well, they definitely know about it now. But uh, yeah, I just kind of started. I don't know. I've, I'd seen that uh, other people, they had like a school account or they still have it. Um, High Flight Academy is the school that I instruct at. And they had an account on... Uh, on Instagram where they would post uh, videos from people flying and stuff. So I knew they were okay with it. So I just started doing it and it's gotten to the point now where they love that I do it. I mean, I bring, I've, I've had multiple people reach out and come fly at the school because they've seen the videos. So it's been, it's become almost like a promotional thing for the, for the school, which has been awesome. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah. It's uh, and they don't have to pay you extra for it. So they're like, <laughs> yeah. <keep> doing it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, they've, uh, we got a little something, something coming up to the pipeline, uh, actually just starting a few days ago, which is cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's been good. I think we're going to kind of 
combine efforts and, and make the school, we're going to up the school account a little bit. And that's kind of going to be the next stage of, of, uh, where, where things are going with that school, which is cool. And I'm going to be a, a large part in helping that out. So that's going to be kind of where things are going. And it's cool to be able to provide that value through, you know, just experimenting on my own and seeing, you know, how to, how to do this process. So now I'm going to be able to help them do the same, which is, which I'm really excited about. How many hours are you at right now? Uh, somewhere between six and 700. I, I, I haven't totaled my logbook uh, in about a month. So, <laughs> Have you thought about leaving at all, being a flight instructor and flying freight, uh, getting a right seat in a jet at all? Or are you pretty much set on being a CFI until you go to an airline? I've thought about it, uh, but not for any other reason but the money, you know? And I just, I don't know. I really do love flight instructing. I know that kind of sounds weird to some people because, you know, they, they do it because they have to, not because they want to, but I, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's a rewarding job and I've really enjoyed the process of being able to use my skills and, and, you know, influence someone else and develop them as a pilot and a person. So it's really, I've really loved it. I think it's an ideal job for me. Uh, my, my mom's a teacher. Both my sisters are teachers. So I think it just kind of runs in my blood a little bit. And it's something that I've kind of, I think I have a bit of a natural um, draw towards. So, you know, I, I really don't want to, I don't want to move on, but I also need to start my, start my life as a professional. And, um, you know, I want to buy a house and start a family. And it's very difficult to do that on a CFI paycheck working for someone else's school. So that's why owning my own school, Just remember, <laughs> my own school is uh, on the list of goals. Right. Well, what's crazy about that is think about even uh, 10 years ago when I was training, my CFI was making maybe 10 grand a year. Wow. <laughs> so they're doing, you're doing much better than what it was. Uh, the industry has changed so much in, in 10, 15 years. Like you said, up cycles, down cycles, it's very cyclical. So it's not always going to be like this, but it's got to ride the waves, have a backup plan like we talked about earlier and just uh, really plan and just be along for the long, long ride. Like know that's ups and downs, but uh, don't judge your career based on the current. Judge it based over the last like four years, and uh, you'll you'll be happier than just uh, constantly worrying about what's happening today or tomorrow. So that's always one thing to think about too. Um, when you were doing, when you're at Liberty finishing up, why didn't you want to stay the Liberty path, be a CFI there, uh, and work there? Um, did you want to specifically go back to Pittsburgh? Did you put out applications all over the country? Kind of walk me through the process of um, getting your CFI job. Yeah. Well, I'd been at Liberty for four years already, and I just kind of was ready to move on. I felt like that stage of my life had come to an end. All the people I was in school with had graduated. Uh, so I just I just didn't see myself sticking around. Um, that was really the main thing. And then on top of that, I mean, I graduated with the commercial multi so I still needed the single engine add-on for commercial and my CFI. So I would have had to like stay on for additional flight training, uh, you know, before I could even start working there. And I just didn't really have any interest. You know, I just, I felt like, you know, I don't know, just, I, you know, the whole COVID thing and the commercial multi kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm thankful for Liberty and all that they taught me. And I think they do have a really, really good flight program, but um, I just happened to leave on a really negative note with COVID and everything, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, every, every school was probably the same exact way, but it just so happens that my like departure was at like the worst possible time to graduate college ever. <laughs> it's like, no, no one walked, no one, you know, it was just, 
it was just one of those things. So I just, I thought it was time for me to move on. So, uh, yeah, so I moved on and I actually moved to Florida and I got my single engine out on down there. My parents are snowbirds and they have a house down in Venice. And I, uh, I, you know, I did my training down there and I finished up, got my single engine. And then I moved back to Pittsburgh once I got that. And I got my CFI back in Pittsburgh and I started working here. So yeah, so my journey has kind of been a zigzag, man. I've trained all over the place. I trained at five different flight schools throughout my training. So I, I think that's another reason that I have, you know, kind of a natural ability to to help people through training is because I just, I've been through so many different programs. I've had so many different CFIs and I think I've just kind of taken the best from, or I, I've at least tried to learn something from every instructor, take the best from each of them and just kind of develop my own style from all of that experience. What made you choose to go back to Pittsburgh? Because, I mean, I went to Ohio State. Training in the Midwest is awful. Like, <laughs> it is terrible. The winter is awful. It's cold. You can't fly half the time. Like, you had Florida right there in front of you. What made you want to go back to Pittsburgh? Just being home or I uh, really saw it better? Opportunity yeah. There for well, that's, that's a loaded question, honestly. Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend <laughs> lives in Pittsburgh, so there's probably some draw there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. She's, she's pretty good, sense. man. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, that was a natural draw there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like Florida, I liked Florida, but I didn't see myself living there at least not yet. Um, there's, there's reasons for that, I guess, but really, I mean, Pittsburgh's my home. This is where I grew up. I have a lot of friends here. I have a full community here that supports me and it's very easy for me to kind of have, be successful here. Whereas I feel like in Florida, I would have had to completely start over and rebuild that entire network and community, which I could have done, but it was, it would have been backtracking a little bit in my mind as far as like starting a professional career. So I came back to Pittsburgh and I think it was the right decision. I've really seen a lot of growth in my life in the last year or so that I've been working as a CFI and I'm just going to keep going, man. I'm not ready to stop yet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show that just because Florida has in Arizona, California, whatever it has the best weather to get stuff done. Doesn't mean you can't make it work other places, right? Like you're building your time. Uh, plenty of other CFIs have been CFIs in places that aren't sunny 24 seven and they're still able to make it work. So I think it's important just to find out the best situation for yourself. That might not be Venice. That might not be uh, Phoenix. It might be Pittsburgh. It might be Wadsworth, Ohio, or some random place in the world that most people don't train at, but it's definitely possible to get it done wherever it works for you. So there's no pressure to chase, uh, chase Florida. There's no pressure to chase California. Just do what works for you. And the same thing goes on as you're building your hours, building your career. It's like, there's no pressure to go to the airlines, no pressure to go somewhere. Just follow every opportunity that gets thrown in front of you and uh, be open to multiple things and That's see great where it advice, takes you. Man. Yeah. And I think it also plays a little bit into kind of my mindset as an instructor. I never really wanted to be that time building instructor that just, you know, got as many hours as fast as he could and just kind of, you know, was burnt out. And everyone I talked to that's been a CFI was like, man, it's so easy to burn out. Like, be careful. Like, and I just never wanted to be that guy that was like, you know, on his eighth flight of the day, strung out, hardly said two words, you know, I just never, I've experienced that in my training, people that were like that. And I just never wanted to be that guy. So I think to me, like building hours was not, you know, it's obviously one of my goals. I want to get to my hourly requirement, but it's not my main priority. Like I genuinely want to be the best instructor I can be every day. And I think flying eight hours a day every day is not the formula for that. So 
I think it just kind of was, was sort of my mission and my, you know, my core values as an instructor, like Florida didn't necessarily line up with that because it wasn't necessarily my goal to fly as much as possible every single day and get to my hourly requirement as fast as possible. So that was another major factor. Absolutely. All right, man. I got some rapid fire questions for you. These are just uh, quick questions that you answer as fast as you possibly can. Don't think about them. Just literally blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, man. Let's sense, do it. All right. All right. What's your Cessna favorite 172. <laughs> what about corp- favorite corporate uh, jet? I don't know. I honestly don't have much experience with them, so I, I can't honestly say. What about airliner? Do you have like a dream airliner um, you want to fly? Probably something of the, you know, 757 series or 737, you know, just one of those 77 series, something like that. I think those are cool. They're clean. I like Boeing. So something Boeing for sure. Uh, What about the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? (laughs) I always say the Piaggio. That's, uh, I don't like that airplane. What's the, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I have one in my mind pictured. Uh, The, uh, the long easy that thing's pretty ugly dude i think they're cool but they're pretty ugly looking i saw one around my airport the other day <laughs> and the uh, fly fast planes That's from funny. tiktok's probably uh he i see him flying his all the time i'm just thinking man that thing is ugly it's got the canard and everything else it's just weird looking yeah well it's a good rule of thumb to if a plane has a canard it's usually ugly unless it's the starship <laughs> so unless it's named the starship yeah, it's I, gonna be i'm ugly. gonna be honest like my my overall like airplane knowledge is not that high like all the different types and everything else that's all like, right that's not my strong suit i was like that before <laughs> you'll, you'll get it down once you start seeing more airplanes and stuff and you can actually put an image to a name yeah i would like out. to correct my first answer to a Pilatus pc12 that's my goal airplane that's the one that i'm kind of like working towards i think i want to like fly that forever that would be my my that would be my plane to travel there you but go. i fly so much in a 172 that yeah. probably it's only right for it to be my favorite i have probably like 1500 hours in a pc12 so yeah they're cool would you, a lot of fun is that still what you would say like if i said okay i want to have this plane forever would that be something that you suggested or is there another one that you would suggest um, I don't know because I, I mean, when I flew the PC 12, yes, it was the PC 12, but I mean, if we're talking about like unlimited money, there's just something about having a second engine, uh, just in case something does happen. So in that case, I'd go to a King air, but then when you start talking about King air, it's like, well, now I'm spending this much money. I want a bathroom. <laughs> so now you're into a jet, you know, it's like, you just like, once you get, keep going up and up and up. But I, if I, I have flown a PC 12, I have a amazing airplane but i still i have a family now i have a kid it's still like i think i'd choose a king air mm. just having two engines uh it makes all the difference in the world um uh just in, in your mindset and just um if anything happens and stuff like that because everyone says pt6s are just bulletproof engines which they are but stuff still happens and there's a lot of um terrible stories about pc pc12s that have had issues like that before so i definitely would probably go king air but pc12s are great uh i would still buy one and happily fly one every day of the year but if i could choose good to know i'd probably choose king air and that's unlimited money too so that's just like if i had all the money in the world because you add another engine you add more cost you add uh more fuel like everything goes up right so uh definitely have to to know i appreciate your input yeah okay man what's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot Well, I wish I knew how much fun it is to fly <laughs> because I just never, I never knew, <laughs> I never knew it was possible to be a pilot. I really wish that like, 
And that's part of my content. I'm just trying to get that out there that, hey, this is so much fun and you can do it too. So that's, that's something I wish I knew. I wish I would have started earlier. Is there anyone in the industry you wish that you would like to, I guess let me ask this differently. Who in the industry Jason would you Shepherd. like to be most? Yeah, he's been he's been a, a role model for me, and he doesn't even he probably has no idea who I am, but he's he's helped me a lot throughout the years. So, <laughs> well, we'll send this to him. Sounds and see good if we'll to me, to man. It. How about that? <laughs> What's your favorite thing about aviation? I like the community. Yeah, just meeting all the different people, and it seemed it was a really tight knit group. Just you know, in my short experience of having making videos, everyone's been super supportive and. That to me has been the coolest thing, just getting to meet all the different people and everyone's always friendly. So that to me is my favorite, the the network of people. What's your least favorite flight you've ever flown? It could be like a turbulence flight. It could be just a, a, just a training flight that you hated or it could be anything, but your, your absolute least favorite flight, the one that made you want to quit flying all the above. <laughs> what would it be? Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to that COVID, <laughs> that COVID, that COVID summer, man, failing. I think it was. One of the times I failed my stage check, the second or the third time, I failed it three times. I think it was the second time was, well, I don't know. One of those times, it was absolutely just heartbreaking. The instructor I had was just brutal, laid me, laid into me pretty hard. And yeah, so that was probably my least favorite flight. Just overall, the day just wasn't going my way. You know, you ever have one of those flights where it was just, it seemed like everything was just against me completing that flight properly. It was like my alarm didn't go off and that's not actually true, but just, it just seemed like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. It was like yeah. a day from hell. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that was my <laughs> least favorite for sure. That makes sense. Uh, what was your favorite flight you've ever had? Favorite flight. I flew with my girlfriend over to uh, kind of across over the city of Pittsburgh over to this camp called Jamonville where our friends were running a camp over there. And it was just so much fun. We just like had food in the plane. We were like up there eating pizza, listening to music, just kind of like having a good time. And I never really, like you said, with the 141 program, I never really got to like have that many flights where I just flew for fun. So my time as a CFI has been just filled with taking friends up. And so that's still kind of like a new experience for me. We flew over the city and we like hung out there for the day. We like got to see a bunch of friends and old friends. And we both used to go to those camps over there when we were kids. So it was kind of like a blast from the past. We hung out there for the night and then we, we got back in the plane at like 10.30 p.m. and flew over the city at night. It was beautiful. But that was probably my favorite flight. What's your favorite airport to land? Ocean at? City, Maryland. <laughs> <It's> be- <laughs> What's your least, least favorite, favorite airport? Mm. Probably just any Bravo. Not a huge fan. <laughs> Not a huge fan. <laughs> Bravos are super. Once you start flying, once you get to the airlines, you'll well, be like, yeah, oh, I love Bravos. Or I love yeah. control towers. Yeah. <laughs> I hate getting faster. the best forward yeah. speed. I'm like going 130 and a 172. Then I got to try and flare and land. That's yeah, so it's funny. just, I don't know. Just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of uh, taking the, you know, the school planes into the Bravos. That's not a fun experience in my opinion. But yeah, so... Pittsburgh has a ton of runways. They can just put you off. Yeah, Pittsburgh's not bad. Be, right? I actually do like Pittsburgh, but some of the other ones I flew, I've flown into Dulles and a Cessna, like all different ones. So, you know, those ones get a little hectic sometimes. I think Charlotte was probably one of the crazier ones. There were so many planes. I remember taking a picture of, of the G1000, like the, uh, the flight display. Of, yeah, just so many planes. It was insane. But yeah, so probably just one of those, one of those. <laughs> 
Yeah, Charlotte. I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in Charlotte. Uh, my dad was a pilot for US Airways, American Piedmont, all that. But uh, yeah, Charlotte's insanely busy. It's not an airport that I'd want to go fly 172 in and out of. It's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, that's definitely definitely one of those for my answer. But yeah, again, that's just based on you know flying a slow plane. So. <laughs> right. Well, you say so, plane, but you said 130, 130 knots. Uh, I fly a citation latitude, and our approach speed is 120 knots, and our landing speed can be as slow as uh, our ref and 10 would be. The slowest one I've ever seen is 100 <laughs> knots. So you can get slow yeah, on some jets, I, I mean, too. the Cessna, you know, we're supposed to be flying at like 70 on approach, so we're <laughs> just, just like uh, getting the, close to that yellow arc, just ripping yep. it in. I know. Would you have IFR or VFR? Every day. Airbus and Boeing. Fly over beaches. mountains, beaches, or cities. What's your favorite airport food? And what I mean by that, let's say you're on a long cross country. You can choose any airport you want. You go to like the best food. Are you going for Mexican? Are you going for a burger, fast food? There's this really cool airport not too far from Wright Brothers Airport up in Dayton. My friend Max, uh, he's he does his training out there. Shout out Max the pilot guy. And uh, he took me to this really cool little restaurant, and they serve this amazing pie. I don't even remember the name of the airport or the restaurant, but that is my answer. <laughs> that the pie from that restaurant. So I did. I went. I went to Ohio State, and we would do our training, and we would everyone would go there. I can't remember. That sounds right. Yeah, SGH, I believe that's it. It's so That's good. what the pie is. Because I remember I was, um, I think I was doing like uh, right before my stage check and I was doing like a training flight. He's like, if you go to Springfield and give me a pie, I'll be easier for <laughs> <Nice>. you. <laughs> I did not get him nice. a pie, Savage. but I still passed. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. We went, my right? friend and I went there on Halloween of, uh, would have been two years ago and we got pumpkin pie and it was so good. I'll never forget it. Ooh, there you go. Might be time to go back, you know, embrace your, um, your, uh, <laughs> Your yeah, fall, for real. Your fall feelings. <laughs> uh, what is your uh, favorite airline paint job? I like American. If you have one, I think it's cool with the flag. That's pretty much the only thing. I, I'm I'm a very big uh, patriot. I, I support America 100. percent So just seeing that flag fly around is always cool to me. Long trips or short trips? And what I mean by that is you're in a 172 for the longest flight you can do, or as many touching mm, goes. As you I'm can going do. long flight. Yeah, I like the I like the vibe. Just pop on some music, enjoy the views. Hardest check ride. Commercial multi, for sure. <laughs> What's the biggest regret of your career hmm. if you have one? That's a tough one. That's a tough one to fire off the top of the head. Biggest regret. <laughs> Guess this that I didn't start earlier. I would have, I would have really, I feel like I would be, I'd already be an airline pilot, make big money and having a lot of fun traveling, but I'm 25 and I'm still CFI. A lot of the guys are younger, but Hey, I mean, everyone's on their different journey. So I'm content with where I'm at, but I think if I could have started earlier, I, that would probably be my answer. That's my biggest regret. What's the biggest win of your career so far? Uh, I'd say probably just the following that I've been able to develop. It's been really cool and I think that's a major win. I've, I've kind of gotten my name out there and I feel like I'm just getting started. I mean, I only really started consistently making videos in March, so I'm excited to see where it takes me. Piper or Cessna? Cessna. 141 training versus 61 training? Uh, 141. And if you could choose a dream airline to work for, who would it be? I'd say Delta. There it is. Where would you, you would go to Detroit? Yeah, Detroit. That's not too far. You can make that work. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, you make that work. Well, Rich, <laughs> thanks so much, man, for coming on the podcast. Uh, I, I think your videos are awesome. I think the first one I ever saw was uh, one of one of your students getting into accidental spin on a power on stall. Maybe that was it, I believe. But it was something to do with some kind of spin. And I was like, <laughs> I saw the look on his face. I was like, I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, man. That's We've all been there Part before. of learning. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I've enjoyed this, man. Thank you for having yeah. me on, Justin. I really yeah, appreciate it. No problem, man. I do have one more question for you, though. Someone listening to this and want to get involved in aviation, they're, maybe they're similar to you. Uh, they went to college, they or they just Googled, I want to be making a ton of money and not go to college. Pilot pops up. What do you recommend for them to prepare for their first lesson, to become a pilot, um, to not be in a situation where you, are, where you wish that you knew more, you wish you were more prepared? What would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of people asking how to prepare for a discovery flight, and I usually tell them, just, just show up and have fun. Just keep an open mind. But when it comes to when you're actually signing up to, to take your lessons to become a private pilot, I always tell people chair flying is the number one thing. You need to be preparing for your lessons on the ground and studying how to do all those maneuvers and procedures before you actually get in the plane. You're going to save yourself so much money. If you try and learn everything for the first time in the plane, it's going to take you so much longer to actually learn it. And you're, you're basically spending your money for time in the airplane on what you could learn on the ground. So right. that's my number one advice for people in flight training. Perfect. Well, Rich, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, wish you nothing but the best and stay in touch, man. Thanks, Justin. That's a wrap of episode 240. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review, subscribe, like this podcast, and share with all your friends. I hope you're having a great day. And as always, happy flying.